HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. On behalf of everybody at HeritageRadioNetwork.com, we'd like to send a special thank you to the Hearst Ranch, our biggest supporter and longest-running sponsor since we first started in 2009. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the Central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, visit www.hearstranch.com. Welcome to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Erica Wides. Tonight's show is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA. So when I was starting out as a young line cook, almost 20 years ago, when I was seven, (laughs) uh, yeah, almost 20 years ago, I started cooking. Um, I was working in a restaurant, and the restaurant that I was working in at the time, only served lunch and dinner. And then one day they got this idea that they would start serving brunch on the weekends. And um, they felt that there was enough of a demand for brunch that they would start offering it. Now, I had only been working there as cook for a couple months. You know, right out of school, I was working the cold app station, Garde Manger, which is the cold side of the kitchen. It's where they put you when you first start in a restaurant because they don't trust you with anything else. They don't trust you with heat and they don't trust you with any expensive protein. So you start on cold apps. And I was slowly kind of getting trained to move up onto the grill and onto hot apps. And by apps, I mean appetizers, not like iPhone apps. This was 20 years ago. Those didn't exist yet. Just to be clear about that. 
And so one day the chef uh, started talking about brunch and he asked me if I wanted to start working brunch, which I did not. No, I did not. I wanted to stay on dinner service so that I could learn how to cook and I could learn all the really good stuff, not get up at the crack of dawn and come in and spend my weekends making pancakes. And so I didn't seem really excited at the about the offer and, um, you know, basically said no to him. And he was really surprised. And he looked at me and he said, really? I thought you'd want to work brunch. And I said, well, why would I want to work brunch? I want to learn how to cook. And he said, well, women make really good egg cooks. And he said a lot of stuff like that to me back then. So I looked way up at him because he was like six foot four and I said why do we make good egg egg cooks because we can manufacture our own eggs and he wasn't really amused he just kind of looked back at me walked away I thought it was actually a pretty clever comeback at the time I'm surprised I actually kept that job for such a long time because we had a lot of uh, interaction like that but anyway I didn't get put on brunch I didn't want to do it and That was good. Um, But years later, not too many years later, I wound up in another restaurant and I wound up uh, working brunch. I was the dinner sous chef and the brunch chef. And working brunch sucks. You have to get up really early on weekends, usually coming right off of working a dinner shift the night before. You have to make really boring food for people who are too hungover or still too drunk to even care about it. Served by a wait staff that's also too hungover or still too drunk to care. And instead of serving, you know, interesting, challenging, multi-course menus to every table, you are an omelet and pancake making machine. Cooking eggs to varying degrees of doneness for very picky people and figuring out ways to hide the leftovers from the previous night in a frittata special. Brunch is gross, and I hate it. I never go out for it. I hate pancakes. I hate French toast. I don't eat any of that sweet stuff in the morning. And why do I want to stand around and wait online for an hour for a table at noon on a Sunday so I can pay $14 for a plate of factory-farmed eggs? I could instead be out taking a run in the park, enjoying the day, hiking, doing things like that instead of standing around waiting to eat overpriced bad eggs as far as i'm concerned brunch is the meal for suckers the same crowd that dines out on valentine's day and new year's eve it's total amateur hour brunch but working brunch has one benefit and that is that when you start working brunch it turns you into a really really good egg cook like an excellent egg cook, a master of egg cooking. And cooking that perfect omelet or those perfect over-easy eggs is a beautiful skill to learn and to master. And because of that, I am a great egg cook because I worked all those brunches. And you know what? That chef, kind of jerk that he was, was right. Women make good egg cooks. Of course, I can only speak for myself being a woman. I have seen men cook eggs very well too, so... Who knows? But I love to cook eggs, and I love to teach other people how to cook eggs. When we do egg day at school where I teach, I love doing that. 
there's like this brilliant simplicity to cooking eggs because you can actually see the action happen. You can see the proteins as they coagulate. It's not like you stick a chicken in the oven and it roasts and then you take it out and it's done. Or, you know, like you put a steak in a pan. Yes, it turns brown. But this is like you can actually see the proteins at work. You can see the heat as it affects them. And you can watch it happen and you can control it. You can gauge the doneness just by looking at the egg. And you can also gauge the ability of a chef by how well they cook eggs. We actually used to try out our new instructors, potential new instructors, by making them do a trial by omelet. And eggs are so integral to chef's training that if you ever look at a chef's hat, their toque, you know, it has pleats on it. The pleats of the toque are actually meant to represent the hundred different ways that you can cook an egg. I don't know if there are a hundred ways to cook an egg, but that's what they say. And a perfectly cooked egg is also like a wonderfully delicious thing to eat, too. If you eat good eggs. And by good eggs, of course, I mean real, non-foodiness, as God and Egg Buddha intended, eggs. So what are the good eggs? There are good eggs and there are bad eggs. I don't mean to be judgmental here, but... We're talking about food versus foodiness. And like everything else on Let's Get Real, it all comes down to that, even with eggs. Real eggs, good eggs, are eggs that are pastured. What's pastured? Now, I don't mean pasteurized. That's a different story because you can get pasteurized eggs too. Pastured means that the eggs come from hens who live on pasture. Pasture is green fields, fields of green and the hens live out on the green fields and they scratch around in the dirt and in the grass and they eat things like bugs and worms and grubs and larvae and grass and grass seed and other little plants that grow. And that's exactly what those hens are designed to eat. That's what they're meant to eat. And because they're eating all the stuff that they're meant to eat, they produce these eggs that are really, really deep gold in their yolks with nice thick viscous whites and nice hard shells. Healthy eggs from healthy hens. And the reason they produce such good eggs is because they are eating the right food. Now remember last week, if you listened to last week's show, which was Meet Your Meat, I talked about omega-3s and omega-6s and the balance that humans need. We need a much higher ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s. And I talked last week about how beef cattle get their omega-3s from eating grass and they get their omega-6s from eating corn. But since we need a way higher ratio of 3s to 6 as humans, we're not getting that if we eat beef that only eats corn and doesn't eat enough grass. And corn-fed foodiness beef. Now, all beef starts out eating grass, but a lot of it winds up finished on corn. It's the same thing with eggs. So your hens that are roaming the pasture and eating all that stuff I talked about, the bugs and the worms and the grass and the grass seed, they have eggs in them, or they're producing eggs, that are much better for us. Basically, those eggs are real. They're real food. Eggs that come from chickens that are kept inside buildings and pumped full of corn all day, they're producing foodiness eggs. The real eggs, real from the pastured chickens, are so much better for you 
they have actually a third less cholesterol than grain-fed eggs. Cholesterol in eggs was not a problem before the introduction of corn feeding. And actually, the eggs have kind of, you know, they've changed the whole... Nutritionists have changed their tune on eggs. Now they say it's okay that you can eat eggs. But still, I would only eat pastured eggs. So they have about a third less cholesterol than grain-fed eggs. They have a quarter less saturated fat, two-thirds more vitamin A, two times more omega-3s, three times more vitamin E, and seven times more beta-carotene. The beta-carotene is that pigment in the yolk that comes from the green grass. When an animal eats green stuff, it produces beta-carotene, yellow stuff. That's why actually grass-fed beef will have fat in it that's always much yellower than corn-fed beef. You would think it would be the opposite, that the corn would turn the fat yellow, but the corn actually turns their fat white. So it's a good way to know if your beef is corn-fed or grass-fed or not. The eggs from the pastured hens are also way, way higher in conjugated linoleic acid or CLAs. And CLAs are something that are really powerful cancer fighters, and they also fight cardiovascular disease. And that all just comes from eating bugs and grass, which is the stuff that they like to eat the best and is free for farmers as long as they have a field. And the great thing about this whole system, too, is that pastured hens fertilize the grass with their own manure, with their chicken poop. They also keep the fly population way down around the grazing cattle. So usually what happens is the pastured hens live out on the fields where the cattle are. And as you move your cattle from pasture to pasture, you have your chickens following two or three days behind them. And the chickens pick through the cattle manure and they spread it out so it fertilizes the fields. They pick out all the fly larvae and eat that so it keeps the fly populations down. They get what they need nutritionally. They eat the grass and the grass seeds too. And then they help fertilize more grass. So then you bring the cattle back around and they have nice fresh new grass to eat. It's like a perfect system. So the chickens do that. And in return, they lay really great eggs. Food eggs. Real foodiness free eggs. So we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about those eggs. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Let's Get Real on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm Erica Wides, your host. Remember that you can always listen to every Heritage Radio Network show ever on our newly redesigned, relaunched, revamped website, HeritageRadioNetwork.com. You can also always find all of our shows on iTunes. You can subscribe to the podcasts. And you can also listen to Let's Get Real at Let's get real show.com. You can also find me on Facebook. Let's get real on Facebook. And you can become a fan. You can leave comments, questions. I would love to hear from you. And you can follow me on Twitter at Chef Smarty Pants. So many options. So we're talking about eggs this week. And um, I eat probably an egg a day, sometimes two on the weekends. I love me some eggs. 
I eat an egg probably almost every morning of the week. What I like to do is add it to my cereal. Not like cornflakes. I'm talking like quinoa or oatmeal. I like to eat like a good grainy hot cereal in the morning. But I don't want it sweet. I can't do sweet in the morning. So I usually cook an egg into it and I put in other savory things like some miso or different spices or some herbs. You know, nothing sweet. Can't do sweet in the morning. And because I really care about what I eat and I am lucky enough to have access to great food living here in New York, I will only eat eggs that I buy from a farmer at a farmer's market who sells their own pastured eggs. Seems a little extreme, but I don't think so. If I'm going to eat an egg a day, I want the best quality eggs that I can eat. And I gave up eating supermarket eggs a few years ago after I tasted really great pastured eggs and really learned about what goes into making those eggs. And now I just can't go back there at all. So every week I go, I buy my dozen eggs. You know, they cost a little bit more, but if you amortize it out per egg, totally reasonable. Even a bargain. I would dare say. But like everything else, if you don't live in the world where, you know, like New York or, you know, San Francisco, where you can't always get everything, it's not so easy to get your non-foodiness eggs at your local mega mart. Now, there's lots of choice with eggs in the supermarket now. You can get all sorts of things on the shelves now. You can get free range and cage free and organic and vegetarian fed and natural and a million different terms for what all basically comes down to factory farmed foodiness eggs, despite what all those labels say. And there are a million different certifying marks and organizations putting their little stamp on those eggs to confuse you more. Some of those little stamps for certifying marks and organizations actually have some meaning, and some of them are just egg industry inventions to put kind of a foodiness, feel-good spin on those eggs. So how do you find the foodiness fox in the hen house? Well, it's tricky out there. So let's start with cages. Also, by the way, there's a website called cornucopia.org. And cornucopia.org actually has a fantastic chart that goes by egg brand, regional and national egg brands, and rates them based on all their various standards, cage-free, caged, organic, what they're fed, all of that stuff, and it's great. So you go to cornucopia.org and just search for their um, egg rating chart. It's a great resource. Anyway, let's talk about cages. So, you know, you go to a supermarket and they have a big sale, and you can get a dozen eggs for like $2. Sometimes I see them for sale at the gas station near me. Who's going to buy their eggs at the gas station? $2 for a dozen eggs. I mean, think about that. If they can afford to sell those eggs for $2 a dozen retail, what are they paying for them wholesale? And what is that farmer, they're not even farmers, factory owner getting paid for those eggs? And what are they putting into those chickens to produce those eggs? I mean, seriously. So those are from hens that are packed really tightly into cages, you know, battery cage hens. You've seen the documentaries. You've seen the exposés. You know they're locked into these tiny cages. They can't move around. They get 24-hour-a-day artificial light to trick them into laying more. They're forced into molting, which means they lose all their feathers, which increases their egg production. They can never lay down. They stand in their own poop. They're just egg-laying machines until basically they die of exhaustion. 
it's a concentration camp for chickens, basically. It's Bergen-Belsen for chickens. And we all find that abhorrent. Who would support that system? I don't support it. You don't support it. So we feel better. We buy cage-free eggs, right? Along comes cage-free eggs. And that sounds a lot better, right? Well, cage-free egg operations are, you know, it's better, but it's not all that different. Cage-free means that instead of the hens living in little cages, they're now crammed into these gigantic buildings, you know, like 50,000 chickens running around in one building. And they're massed together in there by the thousands. So they get to move around a little bit. But that's about the only difference. Still getting the bad feed, still being pumped full of drugs, the whole thing. Not exactly the image of the untethered, happy-go-lucky hens that they put on the package. It's a little bit more comfy for them, but, you know, basically still chicken Auschwitz. Now, cage-free hens are sometimes also referred to as free-range or free-roaming hens, or there are cage-free birds that are free-range or free-roaming. All this really means is that there's a little tiny door somewhere in that building that the hens are welcome to go through if they can find it in the mass of swirling chickens and if they're smart enough to figure out that they can go through the little door. And the little door usually just leads to a concrete slab. They call it a porch. I love that. It's a porch. Like there's little rocking chairs and the hens sit out there and they tell stories about when they were chicks. They can go out on the porch, which is just a concrete slab. It's not big enough for all of them to get out there. They may not even ever find that door. And the key thing is that nobody's making them go through that. It's not like gym class. They're not being forced outside to run around and do jumping jacks. They have the option. And once they're out there, there's no place for them to roam freely or scratch in the dirt and peck and eat bugs and cow poop. So I kind of hate to break it to here, but all those free-range and cage-free eggs, all of that stuff, it's really just kind of feel-good egg foodiness. It's not for the chickens. It's for you. It's to make you feel better and to make you spend more because you think you're buying a better product. So maybe here it's a little bit more like Attica than Auschwitz for these birds, but it's still a life sentence with a little bit more food. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about that food. back to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wides, your host. Tonight's show is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA. By the way, speaking of real food, it doesn't get more real than that. And speaking of real food, let's talk about what those egg-laying hens are eating. So industrial egg layers, industrial chickens, the ones, you know, in the cages, in the buildings, in the Egg factories, not the happy chickens running around the pasture. 
Um, they eat basically a mix of corn and soy pellets. Lots of corn. You know, we have all that surplus corn we need to use up. I talked about that last week on Meet Your Meat, how we subsidize farmers to overproduce corn, and then we have to use up all the corn. So what do we do with it? We make corn syrup, and we feed it to animals, and we make cheese doodles and all kinds of snack food, and we all eat it, and we all get fat and sick, including the animals. So those industrial chickens eat this mix of corn and soy, and usually in the mix, there's things like ground-up chicken feathers and beef tallow and ground-up bones and skin and blood and chicken poop. The manure gets fed back to the chickens, too. And then a good heavy dose of antibiotics because they're all going to get sick from that. And so they need the antibiotics to keep them healthy. The good news is they're not allowed to feed hormones to chickens. So all those packages of chicken that say hormone-free, well, that's kind of bullshit because they... Never could give them hormones in the first place. And remember earlier I was talking about pastured hens and what they eat and that they like to eat the bugs and the grubs and the larvae out of manure and a little grass and seeds and plants to keep it all balanced. Then why are the egg companies kind of trumpeting, some of these egg brands that trumpet that they're feeding their hens 100% vegetarian feed? Why are they doing that? So the non-vegetarian fed eggs are basically getting like the ground up chicken feathers and chicken poop and lots and lots of corn and soy. And then, okay, that's gross. And then the really good chickens, the pasture chickens are supposed to be out on the fields eating bugs and grass and things like that. And that's good. So why now are we having this whole wave of 100% vegetarian fed chickens? Chickens aren't vegetarians. In fact, chickens are omnivores like us and Occasionally, chickens have cannibalistic tendencies. They'll eat each other. So they're not really looking to be vegetarians. Raising a vegetarian chicken is like raising vegan sharks. It doesn't really work that way in nature. Or I like to think of grain-fed farmed salmon swimming upstream through the rows of the cornfields in Iowa. It doesn't really work that way. It's foodiness animal feed engineered to make those hens that make lay a lot of eggs. You pump the chickens full of the corn and grain and fat and bones and all that stuff, and they, they produce a lot of eggs fast, the same way the grass-fed beef produces a lot of meat really quickly on that feed. And it's done really cheaply. You don't have to, you know, take the time to let the chickens walk around on the grass and pick out the bugs and kind of be picky and, you know, eat what they want and grow slowly the way that they were designed to be fed. You can just pump them full of this stuff, get them really fat, make them lay a lot of eggs and be done with it. Easy, simple, no problem. So I don't understand the vegetarian fed thing at all with eggs, but I also don't understand feeding chickens back their own poop, and other animals' fat either. So when you're looking for your eggs in the store, that's the other thing you want to think about. Like it says, whoa, vegetarian fed, and people go, oh, that's really great, right? Vegetarian chickens, that's really good. Well, no, they're not supposed to be vegetarians either. So then we come to the organic eggs. Now, organic eggs are always going to be your better choice no matter what, simply because the feed that they're being fed, no matter what it is, is going to be organic feed. But, and I say but because if they're organic, it means you're feeding them something other than grass because 
if they're only eating, you know, the grass on the pasture, they're going to be pastured. You don't have to say they're organic. So you're feeding them something, and it's something supplemental, and it's not the pastured stuff, and they're, so they're getting some kind of feed. So what are they getting? Well, they're getting organic corn and oats and soy pellets and meal and all that stuff, like all the other non-pastured birds. But at least they're getting the organic version of that. So that means there's no GMO corn and no animal byproducts in the feed and no antibiotics and no other drugs. And like I said, remember, no hormones because they can't give them hormones in the first place. So if the package says no hormones, they're just lying. Well, they're not lying, but they're not really talking about something that actually exists. Sort of like foodiness mumbo jumbo. So organic eggs are always going to be your better choice if you can't get the pastured eggs because organic producers also have to follow animal welfare standards. They can't use battery cages either. But organic and cage-free still means corn and soy fed, and it still means that there's that little door to the porch. It doesn't mean what they want you to think it means. It still means foodiness eggs, but it means foodiness eggs of a lesser degree of foodiness. Still foodiness eggs, nonetheless. But if that's all you can get, go with that, because that's certainly going to be a better choice than any of the other ones. So basically, what I'm saying to you here is that all the eggs on the market are totally effed up across the board. I mean, I hate to burst your feel-good egg-shaped bubble about it, but you kind of can't win on this one. Unless you can get to a farmer who sells you their pastured eggs and who you can trust, you're not going to be able to get those in a grocery store. So your best bet is to buy the organic cage-free combination. That's your most realistic option as far as pesticide residue because remember that if it's not organic feed, then the pesticide residue is accumulating in the fatty tissue, and that's the yolk. It's going to be non-GMO corn, and that's always good. We don't want genetically modified corn. And they'll be fairly drug-free. And like I said earlier, you can look at that chart on cornucopio.org, and they have this you know great resource there because they go through every national and regional egg brand and where they're sold, so it's great. And I'll put a link to it on the flog, which is my foodiness blog on let's get real show.com so you can check it out from there too so it's really like an eggy foodiness world out there i mean it's almost like of all the foodiness things i think one of the scariest ones and it's funny how i feel like no one really talks about this like if you turn on food tv and you watch a cooking show or you know you watch somebody do something eggs sort of get treated as like an inner ingredient you know like baking powder like oh put in some baking powder and put in some eggs not as the actual like live food ingredient, you know, like fish or tomatoes. Like eggs are like living things from living creatures. And they're a concentrated end result of a lifetime of being fed. So wouldn't you want the best for yourself? And, you know, it always comes back to cost for me always because I'm very thrifty. But it comes back to cost for everybody Better eggs are going to cost more. But if you break it out, like on that per egg basis, like I was saying earlier, even at $5 a dozen, which is what I pay, I still think they're a bargain. Think how much you would probably spend on like a latte or a cocktail or how about brunch? Now, I know I'm guilty of all of those, of course, except the brunch. But, you know, you're going to drop $10, $12 on a cocktail. 
You may spend three fifty four dollars on an iced coffee or a latte. Why not put the money instead toward really good, high-quality, real food? So if you want to eat eggs, if you're going to eat eggs, and you don't want to eat shit, you should listen to Let's Get Real every week and buy yourself some good eggs from happy hens that lived on a pasture. And then learn to make your own damn brunch and let us line cooks sleep late on Sundays. We're out of time for the week. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Jack in the control room. And thanks to Ben Kaplan for writing the awesome theme song. Haven't mentioned that. See you next week. Listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up to date news and information. Thanks for listening. Today, we'd like to send a special thank you to the following restaurants for supporting No Goat Left Behind, Fatty Q, Fatty Q Brooklyn, and Fatty Crab Downtown. Show your support at these restaurants by ordering one of the menu items featuring goat. Goat is the most eaten protein in the entire world, yet in the U.S. we import most of our goat. Our dairy farms are forced to kill some male goats at birth because there's no market for them. Help make a change. Support No Goat Left Behind. The following message has been brought to you by Taste Brooklyn. Our city's finest chefs partner with farmers and local vineyards next to the Green Market for an extraordinary outdoor culinary festival. Try exquisite delicacies using locally grown seasonal delights on the plaza outside Brooklyn's Borough Hall. Top chefs and artisans will offer sumptuous fare paired with premium wines, all to empower our neediest children to get healthy. The mighty FDNY and DSNY harbor their own culinary masters in uniform, they will cook off against the pros. Sample delicious cuisine without stressing over a reservation while supporting a worthy cause. Taste Brooklyn's Field to Fork Outdoor Culinary Festival, Saturday, October 15, 2011, from 11.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. Learn more and buy tickets.